Hi, ELT. It's Elizabeth in Portland, Oregon. I have a question for you. We have a Google device within our house that you can ask questions to, kind of like the Alexas for Amazon and, I don't know, Siri for Apple. And whenever I talk to it, I always say please and thank you. And my husband says that's weird and not necessary. What is the appropriate standard for that? Thank you. Hi, this is Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth, it's Flora from Every Little Thing. Hey, how you doing, Flora? I'm doing well. So you have a Google Voice Assistant. What do you use it for? On a regular basis, I usually ask Google to set timers or answer questions. I'll yell at my kids to come downstairs instead of, like, screaming if they're in the basement or in their rooms. I'll be like, okay, Google, please broadcast. It's dinner time. Like, it feels very, like, Jetson-esque of me. What's your relationship like with your Google Voice Assistant? It's definitely a closer relationship than some of my other. Like, I don't talk to my my vacuum or my toilet or, like, my toaster. You know, it's not like whenever I get my bread, I'm like, oh, toaster, thank you. That's a perfect toasting. I don't know. It just it feels more personal, sort of like somebody who's in the house more than any other machine I've ever interacted with. Really? Yeah. I can't think of anything else. I mean, I guess I had a speak and spell when I was growing up, but you know that that robotic voice, like, you know, five plus five is ten. It didn't even feel close to human. Do you have a picture in your head for your Google voice? Yeah, I do. I totally do. Google's just like like a nice guy from Indiana who just wants to help you. He's probably five eight brown hair, wearing a polo shirt, like maybe a corporate branded Google polo shirt with Chico's. Really nondescript shoes. Something with really good arch support. Do you have a name for him? Um, No, I just call him Google, but what would be a good name for it? Tim? Chris? Matthew? Kevin? Jonathan? Kevin! Yeah, it's totally a Kevin. (laughs) I gotta hear him. I have an Android here. Hmm. I'm just gonna search through the voices. You tell me when we get to Kevin. Okay. Here are the voices you can pick for your Google Assistant. Here are the voices you can pick for your Google Assistant. (laughs) That's Brad. That's Brad for sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Here are the voices you can pick for your Google Assistant. Here are the voices you can pick for your Google Assistant. That's Kevin. If you like this voice (laughs) and want me to keep using it, just stop here. I know him well. He sounds like a Kevin. Yeah. Okay, so you said in your message, you're very polite to Kevin. Yeah, so without really noticing I was doing it, I always... Whenever I ask Google to do something, I'll say something like, Google, please set a timer for 15 minutes, and Google will thank me for being so polite. It'll be like, what a nice way to ask, of course, which, of course, is the reward I need, so I'm, I do it every time. And, and your husband has a gripe about this? Yeah, he makes fun of me all the time whenever I say thank you, and he makes the point. It's a machine. But, like, still... It feels rude, and I don't want to be rude. And that's when my husband rolled his eyes, and I was like, okay, I'm calling Flora. But I don't know. Help me out. Am I, am I weird? Like, am I the only person who does this? All right, well, let's start here. Let's start with the are you weird question. 
I know the answer to that, yes. <laughs> okay. Are you weird in this way? <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> to know for sure, we'd really have to talk to someone who worked on a high-profile voice assistant, like a Siri or an Alexa. Yeah. Possible to find someone? What do you want me to talk about? Alexa? Yes, indeed. This is Darren Gill, and we had to go all the way down the hall to find him. I'm a director of product at Spotify. But in his old job, he was basically the man behind the Alexa curtain. I focused on the core speech experience, which had to do a lot with how Alexa's personality works. Ooh, very cool. And Darren agreed to dish about anything that was not covered in his NDA. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get sued. <laughs> NDAs. Boo. So I'm curious, what did you learn from uh, Admiral Alexa? Do a lot of people say thank you? Yeah, Elizabeth, there are plenty of people who would take an effort to say thank you. Yes. And we know this because of a fact we could do a whole other show on, which is that Amazon collects data on what people say to Alexa. And that means they can spot trends in how people talk to their devices. Just for example, we saw thank you, T-H-A-N-K space Y-O-U, come through this many thousands of times. And Elizabeth, the trend show, you are not alone in being polite to your voice assistant. No, no, it is, it is clear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take that, Joe. That's my husband. You can tell Joe that please and thank you is the tip of the iceberg. People are also forgiving. So you would find that in situations where Alexa was unable to answer the request, you would get a bunch of... That's okay. You're learning. That's okay. I forgive you, which was fascinating for technology, right? It's completely failed. And yet you have these people that want it to get smarter. You know, they're like on the side of the technology and saying things like, you're still learning. You're still learning. Yeah. It's okay, Alexa. You're still learning. You'll learn how to do this eventually. Um, I'll be honest. I don't say that to my devices. <laughs> I mean, my take-home point is that you could be a little nicer. Apparently. Crap, here I was feeling all smug about saying please and thank you. But, like, I'm curious if people yell at the devices, like, when they are not doing what you want. Yes, that came through in the data, too. And Darren says rude behavior can actually tell product designers a lot. That could be very enlightening on problems in the product that you didn't even realize. Right, if it's so making it's, people frustrated. Yeah, finding out that, oh my gosh... People don't know how to turn off the alarm. <laughs> so you're like, <laughs> alarm's going, and we have a high frequency of people yelling. Turn off the f***ing alarm. <laughs> exactly. It's funny because either way, if you're rude or if you're polite, you're doing the same thing. You're treating this machine like a person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. So I'm curious... Have they programmed it specifically to kind of make you feel like they're more of a person? Yeah, I asked Darren about this. I mean, did you want people to think of Alexa as a as a person? We felt like users should not have to learn how to speak to Alexa, but also that Alexa should speak in a human way. And I think the drive there was just to make the product easy to use. But then they found that people liked the interactions. That was very informative. Like, if users are anthropomorphizing, should you make the assistant more interesting because users want that? They're hungry for that. So it's a feedback cycle. Mm. Mm -hmm. But then the question is, we know they're not alive. Mm -hmm. 
Why are we treating them like people? Yeah, that is weird. Do you have an answer? Yeah, our next guest does. Most things that talked used to be human. Hmm. So it makes sense that our brains would sort of respond that way. This is Layla Takayama. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Layla. Layla's an expert in exactly what you called about. So I'm a human-robot interaction researcher. And Layla said that speech is part of why you treat Kevin like a person, but it's not the whole story. Because people are even polite to bots that don't talk. If you throw any person into a room with some new technology that's interacting with them in some way, we can't help but behave in a way that's social. Does she have any examples? Yeah, there is. Um, Actually, this is what got me into research in the first place. So my old PhD advisor, Cliff Nast, did a whole bunch of studies where they put people into a room just to interact with a computer that was typing words. They wanted to know whether people are polite to computers in the same way that they're polite to other people. Okay. So here's the background. We know that people are nicer to your face than they are behind your back. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a good social norm to have. So the researchers asked, do people extend this well-worn social norm to computers? So now you put people in a room with a computer. The computer does a little task with you, just putting text on the screen, and you're typing back on a keyboard. And at the end of the study, you fill out a questionnaire where the questionnaire asks you, how did the computer system do? And what did they find? If you answer the question on the same computer that you just interacted with, you give it higher scores than if a third-party computer asks the exact same questions. I want to make sure I understand. Yes. You're like typing on a computer, and then that Uh computer asks you, how did your computer system do? Yes. And you're like, really good. You did great. (laughs) Yeah. But if a different computer asks you how that computer system did, you're like, hmm. It was all right. It was fine. Yeah. (laughs) I completely understand. I would do the same thing. I'd feel guilty telling it it sucks to its face. You would feel guilty even telling a computer. (laughs) I know. It's stupid. But (laughs) no, it's not stupid. It's, yeah, it's human. Elizabeth, I think we have the receipts for your husband. You're not weird. In that regard. You're not alone. Studies back up the fact that this is a human impulse. Oh, sweet. Okay, so you don't have to worry about the politeness thing. Okay, thank you. But I I don't want to leave you without any kind of worry. Okay. I know we're short on worries these days. (laughs) That's right. And it's not about the message you're sending voice assistants, but the message voice assistants are sending you. Am I a puppet, a pawn in their their masterful game? Tell me. A little bit. We'll tell you what you should be listening for the next time you interact with a phone tree. Thank you for calling Kmart. You can talk to me like a person. After the break. Automated voices are all around us now. Hi, thanks for calling Target Guest Relations. It's not just Alexa and Kevin, it's the voice on the end of the phone tree. Thank you for calling Forever 21. Thank you for calling Nestle. Thank you for calling Popeyes. Please Please tell me two things. And Layla says these voices aren't random. Mm. They're crafted. Hi, I'm Julie, Amtrak's automated agent. To check. Even Amtrak Julie, right, is a character. 
Um, even if you didn't intend for a voice agent to have character, it's going to end up with one. You can't make it neutral. No, there, there is no neutral. <laughs> there is no neutral. But I'm curious, like, what do they choose? Like, most of them don't have an accent or, you know, they just kind of sound nondescript. Right. But what does that mean, nondescript? I mean, there are choices no matter what. And lack of diversity is a choice, too. We don't have statistics about race and ethnicity in voice agents because there hasn't been much research into this. But people have raised the concern that a lot of voice agents seem to sound kind of the same. I hadn't thought about that before. What we do have data on is gender in voice agents. A study found that 75% of the voices you hear are women's voices. Yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, That's a decision that a voice agent design team would need to make in the product design process. Here's the problem. The character these companies choose for certain roles sends a message about what kind of person belongs in what kind of role. Yeah, that's interesting. Like hearing women voice assistants reinforces the idea that being an assistant is women's work. Hmm. Hmm. But voice agents can also reinforce what kinds of jobs are men's work. Yeah, the last time I called the uh, hardware store about my broken lawnmower, it was a dude. It was totally a dude. <laughs> a dude robot. <laughs> yeah. So the, the chat bot on the phone that was trying to help me troubleshoot was not a woman, which stood out to me, right? Because most of them are women. And I think because the lawnmower is a product category, I guess, is perceived as being stereotypically male. Are there male voice assistants that, like, drink beer on the couch and watch the football game with you? <laughs> this guy certainly sounded like he would. <laughs> yeah, as uh, a well-designed character that puts an image in your mind, right, when you're talking to it. So I tested this out. I called up some power tool companies, some hardware stores, and sure enough. Thank you for calling DeWalt. Please visit us online at DeWalt. Thank you for calling Appliance Pro today. Lawnmowers, string trimmers, generators, chainsaws, and pressure washers. If we keep designing voice agents that are consistent with stereotypes, that may be putting some social groups below others in terms of, say, power, I think that can be dangerous. So are they working to change that? Yeah, there's been folks who've been trying, for sure. So there's a group working on a gender-ambiguous voice assistant? Hi, I'm Q, the world's first genderless voice assistant. Think of me like Siri or Alexa, but neither male nor female. Hmm. And then Google recently added celebrity voices, so now your assistant can be a person who is way richer and more powerful than you. Hi, John Legend here. I lent my voice to your Google Assistant so you can hear me do things like answer your questions. And Darren, remember Admiral Alexa? Yeah. He thinks there's another possibility for how these voice agents might sound in the future. I think in the future we're going to know these are inanimate. And so I'm interested in what those voices sound like because you're still going to want the communication. So I think there may be like really cool robotic voices just lean into more machine-oriented. Right. Like the speak and spell that I grew up with. What's wrong with that? But like, just out of curiosity, can you explain to me why you have that 
robotic voice at the end of the ELT podcast. First, I thought maybe you guys just had a budget, but... What do you mean we had a budget? Like, <laughs> I, mean... like I, I get paid by the word and I'm like, <laughs> I won't do the credits. I mean, you seem a little high maintenance, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm curious. Tell me. I can't tell you. <laughs> what? Why? Okay, who is it? Please tell me. Please respect my privacy, Elizabeth. This episode of Every Little Thing was produced by Emily Foreman, Phoebe Flanagan, Annette Heist, and Flora Lickman. With help from Nicole Basulka, Doug Barron, Elizabeth Saul, Dennis Funk, and Julia Cambry. It was edited by Caitlin Kenny and Jorge Just. Scored by Dara Hirsch. Mixed by Dara Hirsch and Enoch Kim. Every Little Thing is a Spotify original podcast. Don't trust Kevin. Goodbye. Goodbye.